Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. We've got a special report for you today. A Politico investigation found that federal and state authorities aren't prepared to regulate the carbon capture industry, which is set for massive growth in the coming years. Congress has injected more than $12 billion in subsidies into carbon capture and beefed up its tax credits through the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and Inflation Reduction Act. However, as Politico's Ben LaFave and Zach Coleman report, that funding didn't come with a boost for regulators to ensure the safety of the wells and pipelines needed to send that carbon underground. So today we chat with Ben about why some are concerned about the rollout of carbon capture infrastructure and how it's creating tensions, particularly across the South. It's Wednesday, May 17th. What we found is that despite billions of dollars being set aside to kind of finance this next generation of CCUS projects and this tax credit that's going to add billions of dollars more probably by the end of the day on these projects, there's really not a dense fabric of regulations or even a lot of manpower in the various levels of government to kind of make sure these things go off without a hitch. We found that the EPA doesn't have a lot of resources to analyze these permits for carbon storage, and that in at least a few cases, they're looking to whether they should hand off the responsibility for regulating these projects to local governments in, for instance, Louisiana and Texas, that themselves, at least yet, don't have a lot of people who would be able to pick these projects up to analyze them to make sure that they meet basic safety requirements. Got it. And just remind us again why the Biden administration is making this big bet on carbon capture and how it's worked with Congress in various ways to push the technology. Carbon capture was kind of seen as a way to, some will say, hedge the bet on whether we can cut emissions in the U.S. as much as the Biden administration wants to. So the administration pledged to cut methane emissions in half by 2050. And while it's ceding a lot of money for renewable energy projects, there was this feeling that those projects are not going to be able to scale up anywhere near enough to offset emissions. So the thought was, well, let's cede some money to carbon capture projects so that, you know, I think the original intent was that industries like cement making or steel making or power sector plants that can't really use renewable power or use a lot of energy and therefore they're just not going to get the amount of renewable power they need. They have this way to kind of strip the pollutants out of their exhaust before they get to the atmosphere. So that, that was the thinking behind it. Like, you know, but what happened was the fossil fuel industry in particular is kind of like, oh, we can use our engineering know-how to do these projects anyway. So not just steel plants or cement plants, but all kinds of projects we could, you know, hydrogen making, we could use CCUS and therefore kind of avail ourselves of the government subsidies for this technology. Right. And so let's drill down on some of the specific bottlenecks. So you revealed EPA, as you mentioned, has been slow to permit storage wells and is negotiating with states to take over the job. So what's going on there? What have we seen so far? And how prepared are states to do this work? Yeah, the EPA's got about 75 applications pending. Around that number kind of changes, kind of keeps going up. As far as when our story come out, there are about 75 applications pending 
for the EPA to analyze, you know, whether this company can, they call them class six wells. Those would be the wells that they would inject the carbon dioxide into. As of that point, the EPA had only finished two applications. It only kind of awarded two permits for this. So we can kind of see the line to get these projects started is already pretty long. And states like Louisiana and Texas asked the EPA, hey, you know, we'll do it. They call it primacy. Give us primacy on, on this and you guys can stop worrying about it, at least as far as our states are concerned. Well, we talked to Louisiana. Louisiana says we have about three people who can do this. And if we do get primacy, we'll have to hire like six more people to do this or, you know, we'll have to outsource. This is what they said to begin with. Texas at the Railroad Commission says they wouldn't even get into what their plans are to kind of accommodate all this new work coming their way. But the Texas Railroad Commission is under constant criticism from environmental groups saying that they'll approve an application for pretty much anything tied to the oil and gas industry without doing enough due diligence. They'll just kind of approve it as a matter of course. Communities on the ground and environmental groups are kind of worried that, you know, how much scrutiny are these projects really going to get from state regulators that are just stretched thin and may be predisposed to kind of just let these things have the benefit of the doubt and let them go? Yeah, you touched on it there, but more broadly, why is kind of the clear lack of regulatory apparatus concerning to some local communities who you highlight in your story who could host this carbon capture infrastructure? And potentially, how does all of this challenge the Biden administration's environmental justice pledges? Well, some local communities are concerned. You know, one project that came up quite a bit was the uh, Denbury carbon dioxide that ruptured a couple of years ago in Mississippi. And carbon dioxide pipelines are not a big thing yet. I mean, it's, it's a fairly niche industry. And when that pipeline ruptured and sent a bunch of carbon dioxide into the air, carbon dioxide, like many sorts of gases, when it's highly concentrated, has a lot of health concerns. And in that community, you know, they had people having to go to the hospital. They weren't sure of what was going on. They were just all of a sudden, look, I, you know, I just passed out or I was having problems breathing because they're, you know, enveloped in a cloud of carbon dioxide. And local emergency management teams like your local fire department, they weren't even sure what was going on because they weren't aware that pipeline was around or what to do in case of a rupture. So a lot of local communities are like, even in Louisiana, which has a fairly healthy oil and gas industry representation, we even heard from people there who are worried, what happens if this breaks? What happens if all of a sudden we have a lot of carbon dioxide spewing out from either a, a well or from a pipeline? What do we do? We, you know, this, we don't feel like this issue has been addressed thoroughly enough. So there's a lot of pushback on it. And the Biden administration, along with a lot of Republicans and Democrats, are counting on this industry to really take off to help them meet their climate pledges and to offset the worst effects of climate change. So if anything, you know, at, probably at the best, there's already some pushback on the local level. It could throw their timeline off. Also, as part of the debt ceiling negotiations, House Republicans are pushing for a two-step deal that would include narrow energy project permitting measures to streamline reviews under the National Environmental Policy Act. That's according to what a GOP House leadership aide told me on Tuesday. The proposal first aims to focus on issues that members of both parties have expressed some form of support, which includes allowing both fossil fuel and clean energy projects to be built faster through changes to NEPA. Then, later, the two parties would take up Democratic priorities addressing interstate power transmission lines. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Before we go, I want to invite you to Politico's first ever energy summit. Hear from Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, White House National Climate Advisor Ali Zaidi, and more to hear about the new energy transition. Mark your calendars for Thursday, May 18th. See you in person here in D.C. or you can join us virtually.
For more details and RSVP, visit www.politico.com slash energy summit. I hope to see you there. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.